topic this morning is solar eclipse, are you afraid of the dark? And we'll be exploring uh, issues of having a conflict between science, what we know from the scientific world, and what Chazal seemed to tell us. We'll be exploring in particular the issue of a solar and lunar eclipse. Um, is there a message? Is there an omen? Should we be afraid of it? Should we be happy? What should we feel in general? And we'll see a couple different interpretations of the, the main Gemara that discusses an eclipse. Let's start together to read through the Gemara. This is on page one, source number one. This is the Gemara in Sukkah, Dav Choftes. I remember in the early 80s, my father took my brother and myself to, uh, it was around Big Bear, for those of you who know California. And we went to see Halley's Comet. And uh, Halley's Comet comes every, Israel, 70 years? Uh, 70, 76. 76. 76. So hopefully I'll be Zoha to see it another time in my life. And uh, I remember standing out there as a little boy and having this sense of awe, just this realization that there's so much more out there than our little planet. And whenever there's something happening with the, the celestial bodies, it, it, it brings home that realization that this is a massive universe. There's so much to, uh, to get inspiration from. The Gemara tells us, When the sun is stricken, that is a bad omen to the entire world. Now, most commentators assume that this is referring to an eclipse. There are those who argue. Well, let's take that approach. That's the mainstream understanding. When the sun is eclipsed, that is a negative simon to the entire world. Here's the analogy. You have a king who makes a feast for all of his servants. And he has a lantern. He has a source of light so everyone can see and enjoy themselves. But then he gets angry. And in his rage, he says, take away the light and let them sit there in the dark. That's one source. The Gemara continues. When the Ma'oros, not the Chama, the Chama is when the sun is eclipsed, the Ma'oros is a reference to the, the moon or even the stars. Lokin, then it's Simon Ra'al, Yisrael. It's a bad omen to the enemies of the Jewish people, and that's a euphemism for, for us. Because the Jewish people were experts in suffering. We've done that for many, many years. Marshall, here's the analogy, to a teacher. Shabbalah Beis he comes into the classroom, and he has a little whip in his hand. So me doeg, which student's going to be afraid? Me shiraga lilkos b'chol yom v'yom hu doeg, the one who always gets picked on because he's always talking during class. And this is before we had an understanding of, of ADHD and it's not his fault that he's not a bad kid. But the, the kid is always, always acting up. Now the teacher walks in with the whip, he's the one who's afraid. So too says the Gemara, when the ma'oro salokin, when the moon is eclipsed, so then the Jewish people are afraid. A third source, Tanur Rabbanim is man shecham aloka simen ra de kochavim. When the sun is eclipsed, that's a negative omen for the non-Jews. Levan aloka, when the moon is eclipsed, 
Simon Ralus the name Yisrael. That's a negative omen for the Jewish people. Why that distinction? Because the Jewish people count their year by the moon, and even though it's not only by the moon, we incorporate the sun, but our main counting is by the moon. That's why the moon represents the Jewish people, and hence that's a message for us. And the Ovdekachov in the non-Jewish world count by the, uh, the, solar, by the, uh, the, the solar year. And the people have the question, how about the Muslims? They're only by the Levana, and hopefully we'll address that. So we have now three sources. The first is an eclipse of Simen Ra for the world, and, and the analogy is the king taking away the source of light. The second source is that when the Levana, when the moon is eclipsed, that's a message for the Jewish people. Just like the, the student who usually gets picked up in the classroom, he's afraid, so too we're afraid. And now we clarify that when the, it, it's a sun, it's the sun that's eclipsed, that's a simen ra l'chol olam. When it's the moon, that's a message for us. Um, it goes on to say, more than the eclipse itself, there, there's a message in how it happens and how it looks. Pan of domen l'dam, if there's a reddish hue to the sun, then cherev ba olam. That's an indication that war will come to the world. Lesak, if it has more of a, a darkish or blackish hue, that's an indication that hunger will come to the world. If it has both the reddish and the blackish hue, so then they're both going to come to the world. Now, is this a message for the entire world? Does it depend where you see it? Does it depend where it happens? The Gemara says, that also, if the, the sun is eclipsed when it's rising, when it's in the east, so then that's a simen ra, that's a bad omen for people living in the, in the Mizrach, in the east. If it's eclipsed while it's setting, meaning after chatzos, while it's in the west, that's a simen ra for the people in the west. If it's right there in the middle of the heavens, that's a simen ra l'chol olam. The last thing the Gemara does, is it goes through four different averos, reasons why a solar eclipse happens. Very last paragraph, Tan Rabbanan Bishvil Arba Devarim Cham based on four things. Alav Beistin Shemais of Einon Nisbad, if the leader of the Beistin dies and he's not eulogized in the appropriate way. Al Nara Marasa Shetzaka Be'ir Ve'ein Moshiela, or if a young lady is being assaulted and she's screaming out and no one helps her, val mishkov zacher, or regarding homosexuality, val shnei achin shenishpach domen ke'echad, and the fourth one is two brothers, that when their blood was spilled as one. And that's a cryptic uh, phrase, and there's a lot of discussion on that. What we have here is the Gemara seems to be saying that yes, there is a message in an eclipse. Solar eclipse seems to be more for the umos olam, for the non-Jewish world, and the lunar eclipse seems to be a message for the Jewish people. Why does it happen? The Gemara says, one of four reasons. That's why an eclipse happens. So the main question on this Gemara, and this is addressed by many, you could predict an eclipse thousands of years before it happens. And, and we can. There are many charts out there. My father, who was very excited about this eclipse, going back a year ago, he actually made tickets for my brother and his family to go to Oregon together, and, and they had a great view. 
and he was sending me articles, and there's so much to learn about the, the mitzias, the reality of a solar eclipse, and the fact that Hashem created the Levan and the Cham in a way where the, the sun is about 400 times bigger than the moon, yet the moon is 400 times closer than the sun, so when things line up, it's almost the perfect fit depending on how close the moon is, depending on whatever. Um, so my father sent me this article talking about lessons to learn from the eclipse. And um, within the article, there was a whole map showing you all of the future eclipses throughout the, the centuries. So how could the Gemara say, based on these four reasons, that's why Hashem hides the sun? We know why it happens. It's part of the Bria. It's part of nature. That's the main question in this Gemara. It's kind of like the, the rainbows. So we're going to get there. We're going to get to rainbows. Now, I also like to add my, my own questions. One question is based on a story. Uh, this is a story that was written by Rabbi Gershon Pliskin, an article that dates back to 1962. This is not here, actually. But Rabbi Pliskin, in an article, he was the father, by the way, of Rabbi Zelig Pliskin, the well-known author. And he himself was a Talmud in Radin. He was a student of the yeshiva in Radin. He learned out of the Chafetz Chaim. And uh, he tells the story of the eclipse that took place in June 29, 1927. And he said that the Chafetz Chaim, the night before, he walked towards the, the middle of the base medrash, and he clapped on the bima, and he quoted the, the verse in Kohelis, Tov leleches el beis ovel, mi el beis mishta. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of celebration. And he encouraged people, when the morning comes, we'll be zochet to see an eclipse, go outside. They might be wondering, how did they see the eclipse? They didn't have those special glasses. <laughs> so he writes, they actually took shards of glass and they would blacken it with fire and look through the glass. Now, did that actually work? I'm not sure. Was that healthy for your retina? I don't know. But the Chafetz Chaim was encouraging people to go outside and look. And he was explaining the message of the eclipse. So I would have assumed that the Chafetz Chaim would quote the Gemara and Sukkah and Daf Chavtes. He didn't quote the Gemara and Sukkah at all. He said, the Chama, the sun, represents Olam Hazeh. And that's an ongoing theme throughout Kohelis, Tachas Hashemish. Like Shlomo Melech says that everything is futile under the sun, meaning in Olam Hazeh, if our pursuits are for Gashmis and physicality, then everything is worthless. So the Shemish represents Tanugim, the pleasures and the indulgence of this world. Once in a while, Hashem covers up the sun. And the message is, we don't live forever. Don't become intoxicated and, and addicted to all of the, the physical hanos and pleasures. We're not here forever. That's Hashem's message. In the article, he actually quoted from Rabbi Tully Trupp, who is the great Rosh Hashiva of Radin, and that he told the students, when you go outside, don't just look at the eclipse, but see it. The Yiddish expression was, deher imbibe the message of the eclipse. And again, what was that message? We're not here forever. Don't focus so much on, on the shtus and the, and the narishkeit of this world. Focus on reality and, and, and growth and Torah. So 
Question number one of the Gemara is, how can we say the eclipse happens based on our sins? It's just a natural reality. Question number two, why did the Chafetz Chaim not quote the Gemara in Sukkah? Why did he make up his own message? Question number three, maybe we'll get to question number three in a moment. Let's start with these two questions. So I'd like to share with you, there's a Rashi in the very beginning of Bereshis, where the Torah tells us, that there should be sources of light in the expanse of the heaven, to separate between day and night, and they should serve as signs and seasons for days and years. So what kind of signs are they serving as, says Rashi? Kishemoros lokin, that when the luminaries are eclipsed, simmin rahu olam, that's a negative sign for the world. Shinemar, and he quotes the verse in Yirmiya. Right, this is an Perik Yud, Posig Beis. Koamar Hashem, so says Hashem. Al Derecha Goyim Al Tilmadu. The ways of the non Jews you should not learn. Right, do not emulate their customs. Umeosos Hashemayim Al Techotu. And from the signs of the heaven, do not be afraid. Ki Echotu Hagoyim Mehema. The non Jews are afraid of the heavenly signs. But don't emulate their ways and don't be afraid of those signs. So at first glance, it's a very strange Rashi. Rashi is telling us that the interpretation of the Pasuk, Vahayu Laosos, that the luminaries, the moon and the stars, should serve as signs, that's referring to a lunar eclipse, which is a Simen Ra Olam. And what's the source? What's the proof? That, that an eclipse could be a simen ra l'olam? It's the verse in Yirmiya. What does the verse in Yirmiya say? Don't be afraid of that stuff. Don't think about that. That's, 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 a, that's a goyish thing. Well, Jews don't care about that. And the truth is, Rashi is quoted in the Gemara. We actually forgot to mention this part. The Gemara says, this might be the most important line of that Gemara in Sukkah. Bismanji Yisrael osin ritzona shel makom. At the time when the Jewish people are doing the Ratzon Hashem, Ein misyared mikol elu. We're not afraid of any of these things. Lunar, solar, doesn't make a difference. Shinemar, as it says in this Pasuk in Yirmiya, Hashem says, don't be afraid, al techotu. That's a Goyesh thing. So it's a source of comfort from the Gemara, but what is Rashi doing quoting that Pasuk to teach us that a lunar eclipse is a negative omen? The Sifseh Chum explains that he's proving from the verse that Yirmi is telling us, don't be afraid. When should I not be afraid? When we're not emulating the non-Jewish world and we're not assimilating, but rather we're doing the Ratzon Hashem. The implication is that if we're not doing the Ratzon Hashem and we're not staying on track, then we should be afraid. So that's the source in Tanakh where we see there could be a message of a negative omen from the Shemaim. So we have the Gemara and Sukkah, we have our two questions, we have the Rashi in the beginning of Bereshis. Um, let's take a look here at source number three. This is the famous Ramban. This is in Parshish Noach, where Hashem tells Noach after the Mabel, 
As Kashti de Sati Banan, I have placed my rainbow in the cloud. And that should be a sign of a covenant between me and all of the earth. So the Ramban says it sounds like from the simple reading of this verse that Hashem is saying, I want you to feel a sense of confidence and security that I will never again destroy the entire world. So therefore, I'm creating something called the rainbow. And it has many colors, and we're going to hear legends about little green people and, and, and pots of gold. That's my new creation. However, says the Ramban, this is the second line here in source number three, and very, very interesting on many levels. We have to believe in the words of the Greeks who told us, how does a rainbow form? It's not supernatural. It's not magical. It's when you have light and moisture in the air, there's a reality of a rainbow. If you take a cup of water and you hold it up to the sun, you can see the colors of the rainbow. The Ramban says, if you look closely at the wording of the verse, Hashem never tells us, I am now creating the rainbow. Rather, he says, as kashti nasati ba'anan. The rainbow, nasati, means that I have placed. Not that I'm going to place, but the rainbow that I've already established, mishashis yimei bereshis, the beginning of creation, that's always been here, I'm now setting that as a sign. Whenever you see the rainbow, you should be reminded of the bris that I have with the entire world. So that's the Ramban's interpretation of the os of the keshes, right? the sign of the rainbow. Hashem created nothing new. It was always part of our reality. When you have light going through moisture, you'll see colors of the rainbow. And uh, it's just telling us from now on, whenever you see that, use that as a source of chizik and strength. Hashem will never destroy you. So perhaps you could say that what's going on in this Gemara and Sukkah with the eclipse is a very similar idea. But Hashem's not creating the reality of eclipse. Hashem's not coming in to intervene, so to speak, to cover up the sun or the moon. It's all part of creation. We can predict everything thousands of years in advance. It's just there's, a, there's an indication. There's a message behind it when it happens. So maybe we could say something similar to what the Ramban says regarding the rainbow. And the truth is we find two, two Mufarshim who seem to take this basic approach. I want to analyze them briefly together. Um, and we'll see if they answer our two questions. The problem's going to be, I think they're going to answer the first question, but not the second question. So let's take a look here first at the Orach Lener. Who was the Orach Lener? He was one of the great Torah personalities of the 1800s. He was a contemporary of Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch, of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. He was the, one of the great fighters against the reform movement. He was born in 1808 in Germany and spent his youth learning with his father, who was the head of the Mesifta. After he, he went to the, uh, he learned by the Rav of the town, who was Rav Osher, the son of the Shagas Aryeh. And later he studied under Rav Avram Bing, who was uh, one of the great disciples of Rav Nassan Adler. Rav Nassan Adler was known as the great Rebbe of the, of the Chassam Sofer. So he was Brilliant as a child, when he was 18 years old, he was invited to become the Rosh Mesifta, the head of the yeshiva. 
And among his Talmidim, we have the future savior of German Jewry, Roshamshin Rafal Hirsch. And then only 10 years later, at the age of 28, he was appointed the uh, prestigious position of the Rav of Altuna. Altuna was a Choshevis city. The, some of the, the rabbis who preceded him, Rav Yonas and Eibschitz, Rav Yitzchak Horitz, Rav Rafal Hamburger. So 28 years old, he was known really in the Jewish world as one of the Gedolim. Um, although he was involved with many community mam- matters and a lot of uh, political things and other issues that would take his time, his main focus in life was learning and teaching. He was known to sleep only three hours a night and he would fast many days. His knowledge of the Zohar was famous and he gained um, the reputation as being a Mekubal, one who had a mastery of Kabbalah. Aruch Lener was his Sefer on Shas, his commentary on the Gemara. He also has a Tshuva Sefer known as the Binyan Sion, and he has a famous Sefer, Bikura Yaakov, uh, on the Halachas of Sukkah. Comes along the Aruch Lener, and he says as follows. This is source number five on page three. Hamaligim al divrei Hazal, those people who make fun of the words of Hazal, they found in this particular Gemara a target for their arrows. Because it looks like at first glance, Chazal don't really understand how the world works. The eclipse of the sun and the moon, that's based on calculations that we know many years beforehand. That we could determine scientifically hundreds of years beforehand that at this particular day, this particular time, there's going to be an eclipse. Says the Aruch Lener, But those people who are making fun of Chazal, they themselves were stricken with blindness. The lush and chachma. They had no clue how to understand the words of Chazal, but in truth, our Chachamim are speaking with wisdom. They were very well aware of the reality. What's the proof, says the Aruch Lener, that the Gemara understood that these things have a cycle and they're predictable? He says, we find three times in the three Bryces quoted the expression, Kolzman. Kolzman shemoros lokin, or bizman achamaloka. What does the Gemara mean at the time when there's an eclipse? Tach bizman lashin meyuchad hu, havile. It could have, it should have just said that when the chama is eclipsed, when levan is eclipsed. What's the Gemara saying? Bizman. So bezehora, this is teaching us she'av she'lekuyim heim al piteva. Even though we're well aware that these things are natural phenomenon and you could predict them, nevertheless, they also understood they were getting into the Kabbalistic, the underlying reasons. Why these times in particular? Of course, if you know astronomy, you could sit there and predict these things for centuries. Who cares? They were addressing a more fundamental issue. Why at this particular time? Why? August 21st, 2017. Why again to 2024? What's the reason for it? Why did Hashem create the world in this way? Uh, he goes on to say, 
This is very similar to what the Ramban tells us regarding the rainbow. The Ramban says, like we've seen, that Hashem didn't create the rainbow at that time. It was always there. It's just now he was specifying, this is the job of the rainbow, to be a reminder. Now the reminder of the rainbow is that we should have breathed a sigh of relief. Baruch Hashem, we're not going to be destroyed. When it comes to an eclipse, it has a very different message. That's a zman of peronios. That's a time of, of punishment and judgment. But it should be viewed in the same way as we view the rainbow. And he says, it, it's actually furthermore, if you, if you look carefully at the first mushal, the first analogy that was given, it says the king gets angry and he removes the lamp. Says the Aruch Lener, if Chazal had no clue what the eclipse was or how it worked, do you know how most people understood the eclipse going back a long time ago? They thought there was like something eating up the sun. The assumption was in the primitive world that the sun was being attacked by some kind of demon or other forces, and that's why it's growing darker, because someone's eating it. That's what they thought in the ancient world. Comes along the Aruch Lener and he says, the, the Gemara knows better than that, and that's why the mushal is not, the king puts out the fire, nothing's being extinguished, it just says he removes it, because that's what's happening with the sun, it's temporarily removed, because it's being blocked by the moon. So it comes along the Aruch and says, we should view the eclipse in the same way we view the rainbow. Does that answer our questions? Let's focus on question number one, which is the more famous question, how could you tell me it's based on sin if these things can be predicted? Is he answering that question? What would you say? Yes? Why? How? It was designed to work that way, meaning that from the beginning of creation, Hashem created the system, knowing full well, obviously, part of the, the cheshbon is that August 21st, 2017, is going to be a solar eclipse throughout America. So what does the Gemara mean when it says an eclipse happens based on our sins, and it, it mentions four particular sins? How does he read that part of the Gemara? Meaning, Hashem knows the future. Hashem knows that these sins will be taking place. He also knows that maybe there's more of an issue in this part of the world, and that's why it was orchestrated as such. So because Hashem knows the future, it's not that, oh, He sees that people are making these mistakes or doing these bad things, and therefore, I'm going to cause an eclipse to happen. That was all part of the initial creation or establishment of Teva. Now, it doesn't sound like that's the exact same thing as the rainbow. No, the rainbow could be it's also problematic. Could be, could be any time you see rainbow, it's a reminder that doesn't have any correlation to the time. Or it could be Hashem knows the future, and every time there's a feeling of there should be destruction, it reminds us that the rainbow is also the rainbow. The rainbow is also the rainbow. So, so the, the rainbow is not predictable. In our view of an eclipse, it, it, it seems like it's a little bit different, though. The rainbow, although it's not predictable, but it's also not sending a message. 
Pashib Shad, he's saying the Ramban told us you could hold up a glass of water to the sun. Every time I choose to hold up a glass of water to the sun and see the colors of the rainbow, the Hashem is sending me a message. That's not what the Ramban's saying. This is part of Teva, and Hashem was miyached. He specified the rainbow from that point on to be an ongoing source of, of comfort for Klal Yisrael, for the world. But, but let's take it at face value. It sounds like the Aruch is trying to address our philosophical question, if it's predictable, how could you say it's based on, on sin? The answer is, that's how Hashem orchestrated everything. Hashem knows the future, and therefore, since these things were happening then, or they will happen then, that's why he caused the eclipse to happen at that point. So that's, that's also problematic. That's problematic. Why? Well, well, it depends on which way you're looking at it. Is it like, we know that one way to look at it is that we know that in certain times of year, certain times of the year, there's, there's different times for different sorts of things or feelings or whatever, and maybe that's what he means, like different points in history for whatever, like, metaphysically is the time of this Meaning Pesach that. is Zman Cheresenu, like we that. have Zman Simchasenu, so we could have Zman Peronios. Something like that. Okay. That's one way to view it, I guess it's not as problematic, but the other way is, then what about Bechira? Oh, beautiful Chakira, right? This is two ways of understanding the Aruch Lener presented by Ari Roth. <laughs> the first approach is, the Aruch Lener is saying something very basic, Every, you know, we, we often quote from Reb Dessler, who quotes from his Rebbe, the altar of Kelm, that we don't believe in, in time passing. Time doesn't pass. We pass through time. Which is that there's always a particular energy or kedusha or avira in this zman. Once we go to the seven days of Pesach, that's a zman cheruseinu, and there's more potential for, for cherus, for for personal and national freedom. We get to Sukkot, that Zman Simcha said, and we can tap into higher levels of joy. When we come to Tisha B'Av, that's obviously a time of Avelus. So maybe all the Aruch Lener is saying is, is when there's an eclipse, that's a Zman of Peronios. That's a time of, of sadness or judgment. The other way to understand the Aruch Lener is more like Yehuda was saying which is Hashem knows the future. He knows that these four sins in particular will be happening more so than usual in this part of the world. And that's why he orchestrated the eclipse happening at this time. If you take the second approach, then we have the question, well, like, how does that play in with Bechira? We, we have free will. So if Hashem is telling us, I know you're all going to be sinning at this point in history, doesn't that mean we have to sin and we don't have the free will to choose otherwise? And that's a very deep question. So let's put this in the back burner for a second. That was the Orach Lener. I want to take a look at the Maral, because he sounds very similar, and we'll see from the Maral if he is going more like Ari's approach or more like Yehuda's approach. Let's take a look at source number six. Rabbi Yehuda Lowy of Prague lived in the, the 16th century. And um, ever seen the statue of the Maral? Famous statue of the Maral. I, I wish uh, I saw it live, but I've seen pictures of it. Standing there, he, he had almost like this, people viewed him, even amongst the non-Jews, as this like, larger-than-life personality. The fact that we have stories about him creating Golam is, is not a coincidence. They viewed him as, as, a, as a person who could work magic. I think we've shared this story before, but the question was, was asked to, I forget who it was, one of the present-day Rosh Yeshiva. Is the story of the Golam true? Did the Maral actually create the Golam? And the answer was, I'm not sure, I wasn't there. But to me, 
The greater miracle is that he created the Tosfos Yontif, who was one of his great disciples. We're going to see something from him in a, in a moment. But comes along the morale and he says, This is a, a, a fundamental idea, not just related to our Gemara, but whenever we have a conflict between science and Chazal, this morale is, uh, is always something to look at. He says that the Chachamim are not talking about the, the physical reason for something, or the natural reason. That, that's small potatoes. You want to figure out how things work? Okay, go for it, enjoy, become a scientist, get yourself a microscope, look into it. We have people who spend their lives investigating people in science, doctors, wise men. Whenever you find anything in the words of Chazal, they're not talking about the physical or natural source. They're talking about the Siba, the reason behind the physical source. Just like we find regarding the rainbow. So he also quotes the rainbow precedent. Everything in the physical world, if you analyze it closely, you'll understand how it happens, how it comes about. But for that natural reason, there's also a godly or metaphysical reason behind it. And that's the reason for the reason. And that's what Chazal are talking about. So don't confuse the two. There's a famous quote from Einstein where he said, conflict between science and religion is impossible as science can only decide what there is and not what there should be. Religion, on the other hand, evaluates the thoughts and actions of man. Therefore, all the well-known conflicts between science and religion should be put down to a wrong evaluation of the situation. So it almost sounds like Einstein is paraphrasing the morale. However, Einstein in this regard was wrong because we do find conflict between science and religion. We had a three-part series going back a few years ago on the age of the universe. And that was a source of conflict for hundreds and hundreds of years. The Torah says explicitly, not just the metaphysical reason, but it told us that there was a point of creation. There's yesh me'ayin. The world was not always here. And for hundreds of years, the scientific world thought, that's ridiculous, of course it was always here. Right? Matter doesn't, it's not created, it's not destroyed. Only until the 20th century where they finally realized the Big Bang and likely there was a creation. So we do find conflicts between science and religion and usually the answer is science is not yet to, to where the Torah is. Or we don't fully understand what the Torah means, what Chazal means. But the yesod here of the morale is whenever we find Chazal telling us something, they're not talking about the physical Siba, they're talking about the underlying spiritual reason. And then he brings it to Argumar in Sukkah Daf Chavtes. He says as follows. This is about seven lines down from that second paragraph. When you read the Gemara in Sukkah, the reasons given for a lunar or solar eclipse, that seems to go against what we know and what we can see ourselves. We know that an eclipse is based on the solar system and how things work. But that's because you're misreading the Gemara. 
שאין מדרך החמים זר להוסר הסיבה הקרובה שוודאי תוהל לוקוס להמאורוס במהלך המאורוס. Of course they're not talking about the real, the, the direct cause. אבל סיבס הסיבה, they're giving us the underlying spiritual reasons for it. So it sounds at first glance very similar to the Orch Lener. He doesn't really specify, is he saying more like Yehuda? Or is he saying more like Ari? I found Baruch Hashem in the Sipsei Chaim. Sipsei Chaim is Chaim Friedlander. And he expands upon this morale. And he just has a couple of lines here that I think, at least in his understanding, uh, sheds light on what the morale is telling us. Kalomar, what does the morale mean to say? That Hashem, knowing the future, and knowing full well there's going to be an epidemic of sin in one of these four areas in this part of the world, that's why he programmed the eclipse to happen at that point in time. That's how Reb Chaim Friedlander understands the morale, and it seems more in line with Yehuda, more so than Ari. So that answers the question we had in the Gemara, at least our first question, which is, how can you tell me it's based on sin? It's programmed. The answer is, no, it's programmed because that's going to be the future. Now the question that I was bringing up on that interpretation is, so where does Bechira come in? How do we have free will? And this is a discussion we're not going to have time for today, but the truth is, this is an age-old philosophical question. It's not a question that comes to the Gemara in Sukkah and Daf it's the question the Rambam articulates. It's a famous Rambam, source number seven. He says um, that a person might say, I don't get it. If Hashem knows the future, so how do we have any free will? If he knows 14 years from now, I'll be standing somewhere on the side of the road as we're traveling for four hours, and I'm hungry, and I'm tired, and I'm frustrated, and I walk into a little quickie mart, and I see something with a questionable heksher, I'm going to rationalize and I'm going to eat the thing even though I didn't do my, my due diligence. So, so if Hashem sees me doing that 14 years from now, so where's my Bechira? So says the Rambam, I can ask the question, but I can't really answer it. That's the, the superficial understanding of the Rambam. He says, we can't fathom HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem who's outside of time and space. So it's true, Hashem knows the future, but yet we have Bechira. How do those two things work together? Ask Hashem. I'm not Hashem. One second, one second. The Rivet comes along, and, and this is also, this could be applied in many areas. Whenever you have questions about, you know, let's bring in a speaker to the high school who's going to speak about the, the authenticity of Torah and bring up good questions about how do we know its veracity and share solid proofs. So sometimes this question of the Rivet arises. What does the Rivet say? The Machaber, the Rambam, was not conducting himself in a wise way. If you can't finish the job, don't start it. He starts off with these very difficult philosophical questions. And then he leaves it. He leaves it alone. He should have left it betamimus. In simplicity. Don't awaken their hearts. Then leave them with a question mark. 
It could be sometime in the future, they're going to be uh, walking down the street, and they're going to be thinking about that question that you put into their mind, and you didn't give them a good answer, and they're going to have questions on Judaism. So the Rambam has the question. His basic answer is, we can't fathom Hashem's mind, and therefore we believe both are true. Hashem knows the future, yet we have Bechira. If we take that, so then that would answer Ari's question. How does it work out, Hashem setting things up to happen when we're going to be sinning? Somehow they work together. Now we're not going to have time for it today, but I just put here on the, uh, the sheet, because this is the Tosos Yontov, who was the great disciple of the Maral. He has a commentary in Perkyovos where he quotes this question of the Rambam, and then he quotes the Ravid's attack, and he himself explains something that's very, very fundamental in, in Hashkafa. I'll share with you the words, but we're not going to delve into it. Number one is it's beyond the scope of, of this conversation, and it's beyond the scope of anything we could ever really fathom. But says the Tosvus Yantif, this is on the mission of HaKol Tzofwi V'Roshus Nesuna, that everything is foreseen, yet we have Bechira, we have free will. So he quotes the Rambam's question, how does that work? He quotes the Ravid who attacks the Rambam, and then he says it's very simple. Does Hashem know the future? By a show of hands, does Hashem know the future? Yeah. Right, so the Tosiyon says, you're all wrong. That's apicorsus. <laughs> Hashem doesn't know the future. Aval hakol hove, in Hashem's perspective, kaviyachol. Everything is in the present. There's no such thing. Well, Hashem, he knows what I'm going to do 14 years from now. Or he knows what my great, great, great grandchild will be doing somewhere, obviously, be Moshe Mashiach and Yisrael. Right? That's not how it works. Hashem is living outside of time and space. There's no future. It's all now. So when it comes to human perspective, if I really know the future, and I know you're going to do something many years from now, so that means you don't have Bechiru. I know that's going to happen. My knowledge in that case takes away any free will. Hashem's knowledge is not about the future, it's about the present, and therefore it doesn't predict or determine, but yet I have allowance to choose between Tov and Ra. Yes, yes. So it happens to be this issue of Bechira and understanding the approach of the Archlaner or the Maral is not at all simple. Because it's not just the, the age old philosophical question Hashem knows the future had of Bechira. Here we have this very strange thing where there's a physical manifestation. Okay, that's too deep for us for now. But what, what we've established though, and then we're going to open up for a few questions before we end off with Ramosha, we, we have a basic answer to the famous question, right? Everything's predictable. The answer is, yeah, that was how it was programmed. How about my question? I had a question based on the story, right? Why did the Chafetz Chaim quote something that had no connection to the Gemara? And now I want to share with you a third question that's also not answered here. The Gemara told us that even though when there's a lunar eclipse, that's a simen ra, l'soneim shal Yisrael, that's a bad message for the Jewish people, However, if you're doing the Ratzon Hashem, then no need to be afraid. How does that make any sense? According to the approach of the Maral and Orech Lener, 
if we're, we're viewing it as Hashem was programming from the beginning of time that there should be this message because you're doing bad things. But if you're doing good things, don't be afraid. So if we're doing good things, why would he program it? Interesting question, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we could, we could, you know, we could use thumbs, but it's a good question on the Gemara. So we have two questions of our own that have not been answered, and we're not here to, to disagree with the Maral, Chas Shalom. but I do want to share with you a whole different approach from Ramosha Feinstein, and the reason I like this a lot is because I think it answers our two questions as well. Comes along Ramosha Feinstein in the Dirash Moshe, and he's bothered by the same question everyone else is bothered with, it's predictable. How could it be a simon? How could it be an indication we're doing sins? And he also has a different question, which is, what's the nafkamina? What does that mean? It's a simon for peronios, a time of judgment. Why do I care? All right. Says Ramosh as follows. This is in the second paragraph. L'chein kedei lahargish zeh. He says, usually human nature is, no matter how beautiful something is, no matter how spectacular, if we see it every day, then I don't have the same hispalus. I don't get excited or enthusiastic. I see it all the time. Right? When you come to Florida, I've shared this before, when we first got here, and I would see one of these like tropical, almost alien-looking birds walking around, right, with the neck like this big, and like, that's amazing, that's incredible. And then you live here for five years, and like, yeah, you have these strange birds all around, it's the same thing as a pigeon, it makes no difference. When you go back to New York, though, and you see pigeons, you're like, wow, these are boring. <laughs> right? I have to appreciate the exotic birds we have. But that, that's a general theme in human nature. We're not, we're not excited about something we see every day. So therefore, says Ramosha, trying to explain this Gemara, see there a Kodesh Baruch Hashem orchestrated creation, that there'll be certain times throughout all of history, that ye aliku that there's going to be a solar or a lunar eclipse. What was the intent of the creation of the sun? It's to bring light and warmth to the world. It's our source of life and vitality. And like we saw from, or like we heard from the Chafetz Chaim, it also represents Olam Hazeh and Gashmias. V'im Kain says Ramosha, Hayetzarech l'sader b'ofen shaloyer l'olam liko echama. It would have made more sense if the sun is there for light that it should never be blocked. Why would Hashem block the sun? You're defeating the whole purpose. So you might argue, what do you mean? But that's the way the solar system is created, so you can't avoid it, right? Well, it says Ramosha, Sharei hu kol yachol, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can do anything. Therefore, when we see the sun being blocked out, we should, we should take a moment and pause. Shehu kedei lisromeim Says Ramosha, there's a message in the eclipse. If the sun represents Tanugim and Olam Hazen physicality, and now it's being blocked, the message is, if you chase after that lifestyle, you're going to lose. Not just in the next world, you're going to lose in this world. You'll end up having less pleasure. Ulechein, he says, therefore, kishe'ein margishin if we see this amazing, very rare, spectacular event, and we're not moved by it, like Rabbi Natali Trump said, we just look at it, but we don't see it, 
and we don't use it as a source of tshuva and perfecting ourselves in our midos. And we still just continue after the intoxication of Olam Hazeh. Then we are deserving of punishment. Because there is, a, there is an ability to be inspired. And we passed it up. So Ramosha has a very different approach than the Maral and the Aruch Lener. Ramosha is saying, the Likui Chama, a solar eclipse, a lunar eclipse, it's not because there's sin happening right now. Hashem in His infinite wisdom, He chose particular times based on what calculation? We have no clue, right? Based on the, the Chachma of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He chose particular times to send a message to give us inspiration. What the Gemara is telling us is, if we don't listen to the message, if we don't use it as a source of inspiration, so then we are deserving of punishment. If we continue with our Averos, and perhaps these four in particular, which is more of an expression of Taifa, and that's the message, but if we continue in our way without being misboned, without contemplating what is HaKadosh Baruch Hu telling me, then we are deserving of punishment. So I think according to this approach, he's answered the, the famous question on the Gemara, which is, how could he tell me it's based on sin if it's predictable? The answer is, it's not really based on sin. To use the Talmudic terminology, it's not a simon, it's a seba. It's not an indication of something. It's rather, it's a source. Hashem is giving us an opportunity. And if we miss the opportunity, then we are deserving of Odesh. So that's how he answers the famous question. Our question was, we had two of our own. The first was, what was the Chofetz Chaim talking about? The Gemara says it was based on sin. According to Ramosha, it's beautiful. The Chafetz Chaim had the same perspective on that Gemara as Ramosha did, which is, it's a message. What's the message? Don't get so involved with this Narishkeit. Grow up and transcend. So the Chafetz Chaim was telling his Talmidim and the people in Radin, we should be thinking about that message, because that's the main thing Hashem is sending us. And then our, our own second question, which was, what does the Gemara mean that that if Hashem creates a lunar eclipse, that should be a problem for the Jewish people, unless we're doing the will of God. So why would He program it that way? The answer is, because Hashem had the program. We're supposed to be inspired. If we're living inspired, then we don't have to be afraid of Onesh. If we're looking at the, at the, at the Chama or the Levana, and we are taking His Oros, so we're getting inspired by it, and we're using it as a, as a strength, so then there's no reason to be afraid. So we have these two basic approaches in the Gemara, and there are others. But I think according to Ramosha, we really answer all of our three questions. Halacha lemaisa, what do we do with this information? It's somewhat interesting. How is it relevant? So I think the answer is, we saw something incredible. Those of us who were Zoha to see it, I, I really missed the majority of it. We were running to the airport, and we were extremely late. When you're late to the airport in general, it's hard. Everyone's stressed out. We're going to miss the flight. At this time, we're really going to miss the flight. I have a theory that every, every 10 years of life, you have to get yourself to the airport like 15 minutes earlier to feel comfortable with how much time you have. Right? That's why Baruch Hashem, when someone's in their 80s and 90s, they got to get to like three hours beforehand just to make sure they're set up. But as I get older, I'm not, really, I'm not learning that message. So, so I missed, I, I missed the, the bulk of the eclipse. But I, I think the, the lesson we should all take from it, like we said in the email, there's no reason to be afraid. The, the goal here is to use it as a source of inspiration, 
to get a little bit of an insight to how expansive and, and, and majestic the world is. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Kol Yacho. And let's be mechazek ourselves. Let's think about tshuva. Chodesh Elo is a perfect time to have an eclipse, not to scare us, but to hopefully uplift us. Uh, we should be zocha to use it well. Have a wonderful day.